0: A podcast one production. Hold on. Let me get my Red Bull burp out of the way. <laughs> and keep that in, Fifi. I want the burps in. All right, Jacob, go.
1: Hello, all you Just the Jiffners, and welcome to another episode of Just the Jiff. Gis- Did you
0: just say Just the Jissners?
1: I think we'd be stupid not to call them our Jiffners, <laughs> don't you?
0: so good. You're a marketing genius.
1: (sighs) There we go. That's our first uh, hashtag uh, brandable moment. All
0: right, get back to it. Welcome
1: to another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast where Rosie Waterland and I give you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic that we find interesting. Just enough information for you to be able to then bluff your way through a dinner party should the need arise and... Rosie, this week you're taking it away first. What are you gonna be telling us about?
0: This week I am doing the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster.
1: Oh, good one. You know,
0: in the eighties, the space shuttle that exploded in the sky. Yes.
1: Okay. I'm excited for you to walk us through that, for sure.
0: Well, I basically had to figure out just the gist of physics and aerodynamics. <laughs> so, we um, <laughs> see how we go. I'm pretty sure I narrowed it down. Look,
1: you've already done economics <laughs> and epidemiology. <laughs> so, um, if you can nail the human immune system, I think that you can nail...
0: Yeah, basically. all right. And so, uh, first, you know what we're going to do. Shout out to my favorite lady, Susan, who doesn't like it, and I'm pretty sure her name isn't Susan, but this is what we do now. It's all for you, Susan. (laughs) If you complain about something on the show, we're going to dedicate that segment to you for life. And Dean said I have to do it into the camera. Okay. Brick news: a brick. Breaking news! I got the scoop. I see x-ray, x-ray, Read all about it. It's the breaking news. <laughs> oh, I really put on a show then. <laughs> when someone tells me, <laughs> lights, camera, action, and me without a stitch of makeup on, <laughs> something in me just switches.
1: <laughs> you really put you back into that one. Well done.
0: My favourite, favourite, favourite breaking news this week is Mm -hmm. the um, Australian Nobel-winning laureate uh, immunology professor who um, tweeted, (laughs) he's like, (laughs) how old is he, 75? He won a Nobel Prize, like, in the 70s. And um, on the weekend he tweeted, Dan Murphy opening hours. Uh, (laughs)
1: Because
0: I think he meant to he meant to Google it. <laughs> and he's quite prominent on Twitter because, you know, he's a Nobel winning immunologist, mm. which is what everyone's talking about yeah. right now. And so everyone was like, yo, Professor. His name's Professor Pete Doherty. They were like, yo, Profess." I think he meant to Google that. And instead of being embarrassed and deleting it, he was like, oh, yeah, I did mean to Google that. (laughs) He's like, sorry, I've got too many tabs open and everything's crazy. And then everyone just started going on about how funny it was. And like people were sending him screenshots of Dan Murphy's opening hours. And he was like, thank you so much. And then he also like kept misunderstanding because people just turned him into like this online legend. And then someone was like, yo, professor, that tweet was money. And he was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not financially affiliated with Dan Murphy's. I simply confused Google with Twitter. And he's just had the most pure, beautiful responses <laughs> to this stuff. And now everyone wants to send him free booze and it's just really funny. He's just the hero of our times. And it just goes to show that even a Nobel laureate can do something real stupid.
1: That is so fantastic. And also I think you mentioned Dan Murphy's enough times there to hopefully get a sponsored by them. So well done, you.
0: Oh, yeah. Can <laughs> <laughs> we have some Dan Murphy's? Dan Murphy's? Dan Murphy's. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan Murphy's. <laughs> um, so that was super mm. funny. And then also um, this, I love this because it's like the – world is so crazy right now and news is so crazy right now that the Department of Defence in the US released literal footage of UFOs and it barely made a dent in the news cycle.
1: You're kidding. I haven't heard about this. <laughs> no.
0: So there's videos of unidentified flying objects that were filmed by like, I don't know what they are, like, you know, fighter planes or whatever mm-hmm. just up in the sky And um, the footage leaked and started going around and people, like crazy people on Twitter and and like on Reddit were like, conspiracy theories, UFOs, aliens, the government's hiding it from us. And then the Department of Defense were like, oh, all right, look, we'll release it to you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're not saying it's aliens, but we are saying that, yes, our pilots did film this footage. And yes, they are unidentified flying objects. We cannot explain what they are.
1: (laughs) Have you seen the footage?
0: Yeah, they look like spaceships. Like, they look like spacecraft. They look like alien spaceships.
1: Is that the only theory going around, though, that they are
0: Well, aliens? for the Department of Defence to say they're saying it's unexplained aerial phenomena, mm. for them to not... Because usually the government offers an explanation. No, that was a weather balloon. No, we were doing tests of some new thing. No, it was whatever. But for them to just go, we don't know. Here's the footage. We don't know. Doesn't we don't know mean wink, wink, we don't know, but what do you think yeah. it is? <laughs> oh, my God. And it's also the perfect time to release the footage and confirm mm-hmm. that you you know, you think they're unidentified flying objects because the news is so crazy right now. It literally went unnoticed. Like I only read about it because I was on Twitter the other night and someone was like, hey, I'm kind of concerned that the world is so nuts that, you know, the US government confirmed that they had footage of UFOs and no one's talking about it. And I was like, what? And then I clicked on it and it's like, what?
1: And what a time for them to be here observing us when we're at our absolute worst. Hoarding toilet paper.
0: I know, right? And
1: buying chicken.
0: You know what I'm finding really annoying? I can get toilet paper now, but I decided I really wanted to get into baking. Like I want to learn how to bake cakes Mm. and stuff. There is no... Baking supplies, you can't get flour, you can't get baking soda, you can't get, like, any of that stuff, Castor sugar, anything. I keep looking at all these recipes I want to cook, and I go in and there's nothing.
1: Well, maybe one of our kind, just the gistners, will have mercy on you and send you some flour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the chisters. <laughs> Apparently it's because um, parents are buying up all the supplies to keep their kids occupied during the day. I'm like, oh, can't you think of these single people in their 30s with disposable income who have no one to look after? Don't you think I want to start baking as a hobby? Screw your seven-year-old who's missing out on an education right now. I want to learn to make a decent sponge. <laughs> and
1: then you go back to your poly pocket collection.
0: Selfish. <laughs> <sighs> Selfish parents trying to keep their children entertained. Oh, you know how last week you asked me what's the most, like, young, fogey, boomer thing that Caleb does? Mm. Last night he wrote a letter. So I live in the inner west of Sydney. (laughs) Last night he wrote an email to the inner west council. (laughs) I can't, I can't. Because... He's extremely disappointed that in the inner west they don't have uh, dedicated waste bins for food scraps. In Adelaide, they have something called a kitchen caddy and it's where you put your food scraps in and then you take your food scraps out to a specific food scrap bin And that gets taken out the same day as the rubbish. And he kept getting annoyed at me that I was putting food scraps in the regular bin. He's like, you've got to put it in the food scrap bin. I said, Caleb, we don't have a food scrap bin. And he said, that's ridiculous. Of course you do. Everyone has a food scrap bin. I said, Caleb, we don't. And so he went on the Inner West Council website and looked into it and he was very disappointed. So he wrote Inner West Council a strongly worded email about maybe updating their waste disposal systems. (laughs) This is my young boyfriend. (laughs) So for people who say, is Caleb really like what he seems on TV in real life? Yes, he is. It is not an act.
1: (laughs) Good to know he's authentic.
0: He met my little nephew, Muhammad, um, the other day because we were babysitting him. And Muhammad um, was really excited uh, to play Minecraft with him because Caleb said he used mm-hmm. to play Minecraft when he was younger. And Muhammad basically builds, you know, like weapons lairs and volcano caves and and like stuff like that. And Caleb was like, "Oh yes." I played a lot of Minecraft in high school. You know, one of the best things we did was once we finished building the infrastructure of our town, we put in a council chambers building and we held local elections. (laughs) We held local elections among the Minecraft community (laughs) for like, oh, my God, I couldn't even, I was like... Muhammad literally has weapons lairs <laughs> and volcanoes, and when you did it, you the first thing you were most excited to do was build a local council chamber. <laughs>
1: Establish a model UN.
0: <laughs> basically, basically.
1: <gasps> oh, wow. What an adorable dweeb.
0: Anyway, that's enough of that. Shall we get on to this week's topic? The main event. The challenger disaster. <laughs> I don't know why I'm hearing. I'm so excited to be out of the house. <laughs> Can I this is the first time I've left the house since last week when we recorded, and I left the house. <laughs> that's why I like and also I think we should point out that Jacob and I try not to talk too much in between sessions so that like we have stuff to talk about. So that's why we're just yeah. like, who cares about the audience? What's going on with you? How's Caleb? What's the like <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> we'll try and edit all the boring parts out. <laughs> yes. Challenger disaster. Okay, it's not funny, actually. Seven people died, so just Bomber. get in the right mm. frame of mind for this. January 28, mm-hmm. 1986. So why don't you tell me what you think, what you know about it, or what, you know, what you remember or know about um, this if someone asked you about I it?
1: I think that NASA had been sending a lot of rockets into space space for a while at this point, and people had really lost interest. The Shine had come off the space program a while ago. So to reinvigorate a bit of interest, they put a civilian school teacher on a mission. So everyone was watching because it was kind of like the first time a civilian was being sent into space, and then there was some major screw-up, and all of America and the world was watching as, spoiler alert, the rocket ship exploded in the sky shortly after takeoff.
0: Yes. That is like the gist of what happened, but it's also like Uh the end. Good episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Off to your dinner parties now, everyone.
0: (laughs) Um, But there's also a few things in what you just said, which are sort of what everybody thinks, but it's actually like there's a couple things that actually happened differently, but um, I'll tell you about it. So um, the Space Shuttle Challenger broke apart 73 seconds after liftoff on January 28, 1986, killing all seven crew members on board. And you were right that um, space travel had become routine and boring. There was probably like one space shuttle going off every month. And it wasn't like, you know, the heyday 15 years earlier when they went to the moon, like no one was going to the moon anymore. No one really cared anymore. It barely even made the news, like when there was a shuttle launch. It was sort of becoming into like this kind of uh, business, I guess, of like going into space and doing whatever, and it wasn't really um, exciting. So the reason the Challenger launch is notable is that They had, like you said, the first ever civilian on board. It was a woman called Krista McAuliffe. She was a 37-year-old high school teacher and she had won this major competition to find a teacher to send into space. On space shuttles there are astronauts but then they also have people called payload specialists. So that is basically a person who isn't an astronaut but who has some kind of special skill that that particular mission needs that the astronauts don't have, so it's usually like, you know, a super smart physicist or like something like that, and um, and so they're generally like scientists and or like mathematicians or whatever. This was the first time that like um a regular person got to be a payload specialist. So Krista McCallus, you know, skill was that she was a teacher and she was going to do lessons from space.
1: Did she have to go through a lot of? training before they would actually let her in space. How long did that take?
0: Can you let me get to it?
1: Sorry. I've
0: got a whole thing here. (laughs) So the teacher in space program got people super psyched. It was the first time in, you know, about a decade people were actually interested in space launches again, which was really smart of President Ronald Reagan because it sort of reinvigorated interest in NASA and also really reinvigorated interest in, like, Uh, the public school system, which he was at the Mm. time like really like significantly defunding. So he was like, I'm taking all your Mm. money, but look at this teacher in space. So, you know, Mm. it was like a lot of that kind of stuff involved. There was 11,000 applicants. Eventually they narrowed it down to 10 finalists and they had to go to the Johnson Space Centre, which is like, you know, around where NASA is. And they had to go through all these Mm. medical tests and other stuff, all of which was filmed. So people got really behind certain finalists. Like it was kind of like this reality show that the whole of the country was obsessed with. Um, But it was pretty obvious to everyone from the start that Krista McAuliffe was going to win because she was a great teacher, obviously, but she was also just really an infectious, lovely, charismatic person. And because the winner was going to have to do a lot of television And they were basically going to be, you know, representing NASA and they needed to be charismatic enough to be good at TV but they also needed to be smart and fit enough to do the astronaut stuff. They needed to be good enough to do like uh, deal with the media on a national scale but also talented enough to do live lessons from space. So they needed someone who could be like a total all-rounder and apparently after all the tests and all the evaluations and all the interviews with NASA people, Um, Krista McAuliffe was picked as, like, the most all-round talented one of the crop. So she Mm -hmm. was chosen in 1985, so that was a year. It took a year of applying to choose someone, Mm -hmm. and she instantly became, like, massively famous, like, overnight. She did Mm -hmm. every talk show. She was on the cover of every magazine. She became, like, America's sweetheart. And she had to go into training for a year, So it was like pretty intense astronaut training. It was her and there was another teacher chosen as a backup. So the two of them went into training together. And then a year later, she was ready to do a mission on the space shuttle Challenger. So that was from the time she applied to the time she was ready to do the mission, a little over two years.
1: Wow, big commitment. and. The fact that they had an understudy reminds me so much of when Homer went to stage as the understudy for Barney Gumble.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So um, even though space shuttle launches had become routine and boring and nobody cared about them anymore, people really cared about this one because they were really invested in Krista McAuliffe All of her training over the year had been filmed and documented. There'd been documentaries about her. She'd been doing interviews the whole time. So people were really invested in just this really nice schoolteacher lady going into space. It was really exciting. Now, one of the big myths about the Challenger explosion, and this is something you mentioned, is that everybody watched it happen live. They actually didn't. Um, the The truth is probably worse than that. It was filmed for the news, but back then there wasn't really the capacity for live television yet. Satellite TV was only just Mm. becoming a thing, so it wasn't something that most people had. There was a lot of film Mm. crews at the launch filming footage that they were going to put on the news later that night, but Mm. what makes it worse is that not everybody watched it live, but who did watch it live were kids because... Krista McAuliffe was on the space shuttle, NASA had sent all these satellite TVs out to thousands of schools so that kids could watch the launch but could also watch her lessons live from space that were going to be streamed live from space via satellite TV. So um, a lot of people say that they remember watching it live, and I think it's that thing. What's that thing called where people believe they've seen something that they haven't? The Mandelman?
1: Yeah, it is the Mandela Effect, and it's called the Mandela Effect because so many people believe that they remembered um, Nelson Mandela dying in the 80s, which he did not actually do until 2013. <laughs> oh, well, <there laughs> so you many it. people distinctly remember um, seeing the reports that Nelson Mandela had died, which they never actually did. Well,
0: so apparently um, the footage did get cut, like, because all the news crews were there, the footage got cut together very quickly and got on the news very quickly, Um and a lot of people did watch it, like, you know, soon after it happened, and because it became this kind of big story, like, everyone was watching it live and it was horrifying, everybody who watched it on the news that day remembers that they watched it live, even though they didn't. Like, most people didn't. It was only the little kids who watched it live. (laughs) There's lots of stories, like, in, you know, because I watched a few documentaries for this, of, like, teachers screaming or some teachers just, like, silently turning off the TV and wheeling the TV out of the room, like, because no one really knew what to do. (laughs) Yeah, so the people who were watching it were kids. Um, At first, the launch seemed normal. So the space shuttle lifted off at about 11.38 in the morning. Mission control said to the captain, Francis Scobie, go at throttle up, and he replied, Roger, go at throttle up. And then that's the last thing anybody heard from the Challenger. And that's because 73 seconds after liftoff, it appeared to explode in the sky. There was just this huge sort of... uh, explosion of smoke and then pieces started whizzing away from each other and it, and it looked like the mm. shuttle was breaking apart in the air. I mean most people when you ask them about the Challenger disaster the first thing they remember is like you've seen the photos of the, or the footage of this kind of big mm. smoke explosion in the sky. Yeah. Everyone was just really confused at first. Mission Control was struggling to figure out what was happening and they were hoping maybe the little orbiter cabin with the crew in it had somehow escaped damage, but within minutes it was obvious that it hadn't. The worst mm. confusion though was among people watching. So it wasn't so much confusion as it was disbelief. I mean, you can see watching it that something's gone terribly wrong. I mean, the space shuttle's going up, 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 up in the sky like a normal space shuttle launch, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's just enveloped in this huge cloud of smoke and you can see bits flying away from each other. And so it's obviously something's wrong. Mm -hmm. But the footage that I can't get over is, and if you watch pretty much any documentary about Challenger, they have this footage, is um, Mm -hmm. Krista McAuliffe's parents were at the launch site at Cape Canaveral in Florida to watch it oh. live and there was a huge crowd there and there were cameras specifically just on them and their faces to get great footage of their reaction as they watched their daughter go up into space. And so there is footage and you watch it in real time. The space shuttle takes off and they're excited and they're clapping and they're elated. And then you see them look horrified as this unexpected kind of explosion happens. And then you see them look confused and people in the crowd are like, screaming and saying no what's happened and her parents just look frozen in time like looking up at the sky like and then you kind of see their faces and it's like they get it they're like our daughter just died like you can see it in their faces it's and the cameras just stay on them like it's really oh it's just awful to watch so soon, yeah. NASA confirms, like within minutes, yes, yeah, something bad's happened. Um, they think it was an no. explosion at first, but they don't know yet. But they do know immediately that there's no way anyone survived. So Francis R. Scobie, Michael Smith, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Judith Resnick, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista McAuliffe all died 73 <clears> seconds <throat> after takeoff. So what happened? First of all, it wasn't an explosion, and that's the other big myth about the Challenger is, like, the first one is everybody thinks they watched it live, and the second one is everybody thinks it exploded. It didn't actually mm-hmm. explode. And here's where mm-hmm. I had to learn just the gist on aerodynamics and air pressure and
1: physics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Astro Bachelor would be so proud of you. Oh, my God,
0: I know. We should send him this app, and then he'll fall in love with me. Um, there was a lot of vapour, so that's air and hydrogen mixed together and it, you know, develops like that cloud, that cloudy-looking mm-hmm. smoke that surrounded the space shuttle. Um, so it made it look like there'd been an explosion because when there's an explosion, you see a big smoke bomb like that. But um, mm-hmm. news, uh, news channels that night even added explosion sound effects to make the footage more impressive but there was no explosion sound because it wasn't an explosion. So, um, but at that point, everybody assumed it was an explosion. And I think news directors were like, how come there's no sound? Mm, Let's just put sound in. But there was no sound because it wasn't an explosion. Did every
1: channel have a slightly different boom sound?
0: I don't know. That's a good question, but (laughs) maybe. There's got to
1: be different versions out there.
0: That's actually such a good question. Okay. That is
1: such an artistic licence to take. I know. And such unnecessary artistic licence to take. The footage needed to be more compelling.
0: And I think that's probably why you can forgive people for thinking it was an explosion because they watched the news and they heard exploding sounds mm. and saw smoke. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. There was, as the ship was going up, a strong gust of wind and that strong gust of wind shattered this seal that was on like some part of the ship. There's this little seal around, you know, a bit that connects one bit to another bit. And this seal is called Mm. the O-ring and this gust of wind Mm. damaged the O-ring. And when that O-ring was damaged, the tiniest little bit, there was a tiniest little hole in it. And through that tiny little hole, a bunch of pressurized burning gas from inside the rocket suddenly started spurting out of the hole. And because everything in a rocket launch needs to be exactly right for everything to work, Mm -hmm. the pressurized gas coming out of this tiny little hole in this seal that became compromised caused everything to become unbalanced. So it messes with all the Mm -hmm. aerodynamic forces of which this is just the gist, so I'm not going to you know, go into it any more than that. But basically, because hot pressurized gas very suddenly started coming out of this tiny little seal that had come loose, other sections of the ship started to lose pressure, and then they started to work harder than they should, and then everything went out of balance and everything went to shit. So the best way I could think to describe it, and I'm sure there's going to be some astronauts listening who are going to tell us this is wrong, but this is just the gist. The best way I can think to describe it is, you know, when you shake up, like as a kid, a bottle of Coke, and then you turn the Mm -hmm. lid, even the tiniest bit, and the bottle just like explodes out of your hands onto the ground, starts Uh spinning around, all the Coke like bubbles start coming out until all the pressure is out and then it finally comes to a stop. It's That's basically what happened. This little seal got like... And it literally comes down to a gust of wind. There was a really strong oh, gust of wind, which compromised this little o ring seal. A tiny little bit of gas came out of it, which just caused this huge amount of gas to come out of it, which caused the whole ship to start going. Blah, blah, blah. So that's where you see all that vapor. That's all the gas sort of coming out of the wrong places. And then because it messed with all the air pressure, the ship just started breaking apart.
1: Oh, because of wind.
0: So it didn't really explode.
1: Wind.
0: so yeah because of a gust of wind and it didn't explode but when you hear about what happened next you kind of think you wish it did explode because oh. because it broke apart it's believed that the crew who were inside their little um orbiter cabin that broke apart as a whole piece And Mm -hmm. they were alive during the two minutes and forty-five seconds it took for that piece to fall out of the sky and hit the ocean.
1: You're kidding? They were that high up that it took them nearly three minutes to get back
0: down
1: to water level. Oh, so they
0: died not from an explosion because there wasn't ever an explosion. They died from the impact of their cabin hitting the ocean. Um, It's been debated that they may not have been conscious because the air pressure of the falling shuttle at that speed um, mm. could have knocked them out. But most NASA officials sadly assume that they were conscious. Um, one reason is because a bunch of them had activated their emergency breathing masks, which obviously they mm. had to be conscious to do. Another reason is that there is a certain amount of damage that would have happened inside the cabin if there'd been a really fast drop in air pressure and a fast drop in air pressure is what would have knocked them out. But there wasn't any damage that indicated there was a fast drop in air pressure, which means the air pressure dropped slowly, which means they would have been alive for the entire drop, um, uh, alive and conscious. Um, And the moment of impact with the ocean, which they say would have had more force than a train crash, would have killed them.
1: It's really yeah, awful. The, I imagine
0: so. the lead accident oh. investigator, um, a NASA dude called Robert Overmeyer said, "I not only flew with Captain Dick Goby, we owned a plane together, and I know he did everything he could to save his crew. He fought for any and every edge to survive. He flew that ship without wings all the way down. They were alive when they hit the water. Isn't that sad? Oh.
1: And it's sort of unnecessary as well. That makes it more heartbreaking.
0: I know. Because you're like, oh, good, it wasn't an explosion. And then you're like, oh, wait, that would have been better. At least it would have been. Hey. Can you imagine the fear of of being so far up, you know, almost out of the atmosphere? You're three minutes mm. up in the air and then completely detaching from anything that's keeping you flying. And so you're basically just sitting in a metal box falling out of the sky waiting to die. Yeah,
1: whether it's true or not, just let the world believe that they lost consciousness.
0: I know. And unaware
1: of what was happening to
0: them. I know, it's really awful. Mm. So on March 7th, the crew orbiter cabin was found on the ocean floor with all seven crew inside. So it happened on January 28th, and they didn't find them until March 7th. Um, the last debris wow. from the Challenger was found... Um, It was two large pieces of the shuttle that washed up on a beach 300 miles away 11 years later. So there were bits just out in the ocean for a really long time.
1: Please tell me there's none in like Planet Hollywood Museum style places in Las Vegas or something.
0: No, it's all kind of in a um, museum-esque type thing around where NASA is. Mm. They've got a bunch of the debris and then also a bunch of like, so for example, one of the crew members had a, um, no, not a basketball, a soccer ball in his um, belongings and that soccer ball was found in the ocean. So they sent that to his high school and it now sits in a case in his high school and just like things like that. But, no, they've been very respectful of the debris. Um, In the aftermath, obviously, there were tons and tons and tons of investigations It is commonly believed that the reason the O-ring, the seal, failed is because it had been really unusually cold in Florida the night before and the morning of the launch. It was the coldest temperature Mm -hmm. a shuttle had ever launched at, ever. It was kind of, and it was very unexpected. So Florida's a bit like Brisbane in terms of weather. So imagine waking up in Brisbane one morning and it's like two degrees. Like it's just you're like what? Like it's not something they ever anticipated they would have to deal with. Can I
1: just say quickly? No offense, Brisbane, you are not like Florida. Oh, okay. We've all been seeing a lot of footage of how like so recently. I mean, the, Brisbane, weather,
0: the, weather. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> ah, the weather, the weather. Jeez. The weather. So apparently the cold weather affected um, the sort of structural integrity of the little O-ring seal, which is why when there was that gust of wind, it uh, cracked and and that's how this all happened. But apparently it wasn't just the cold. A, A lot of the investigations, and there was like we're talking years of investigations with a whole bunch of astronauts and a whole bunch of scientists and everything, Investigations found that the standards had been getting lax at NASA for a pretty long time. Um, They had known Mm -hmm. there'd been problems with the O-ring seals on other shuttles that had nothing to do with temperature. It was just a kind of shitty seal that they'd picked a cheaper option instead of a more expensive one. There were a lot of decisions that were being made for money instead of safety. Since they were trying to mm. make space travel a kind of monthly and hopefully soon bi-weekly thing, it no longer had the illustrious uh, kind of career connotations that it did back in the 60s during like the heyday of the space program. Mm. So they weren't getting like the really smart best people working at NASA because NASA is a government agency so they don't pay as much as the private sector so all the best people who had worked at NASA were leaving or had left so they had basically just like no offense but all the b-grade scientists at NASA (laughs) in the 80s so you know it basically just came out that like NASA had turned into this organization where they had not the best people they weren't focusing on safety, they were trying to save money and cut corners and an accident was going to happen no matter what. It just happened to Mm. be that the Challenger was the one that it happened, like that's where it happened. Um, So a lot of people say it was just this O-ring and it was just the cold weather and it was just these particular circumstances. Like, no, NASA had been getting shit for a while, being lazy for a Mm. while. The families of the Challenger crew are uh, organised for the creation of the Challenger Centre for Space and Science Education as a permanent memorial to the crew. So that's still going today and it provides scholarships and education for children and young adults who are interested in science and space. There was also mm-hmm. a quite a famous Punky Brewster episode. So Punky Brewster was a sitcom about a little kid <laughs> and in that episode, her and her class are watching the Challenger launch live and watch it happen, and then Punky Brewster is traumatised and it, like, dashes her dreams of being an astronaut and she goes home and has a nightmare about it, and then um, Buzz Aldrin has to come in and talk to her about how it's still okay to want to be an astronaut. (laughs) Does
1: that feel a little bit opportunistic to you as well, that Yes. Very poor taste.
0: Yes and no, but so many kids had watched it, they did need to talk about it with kids. Like and Buzz Aldrin was still uh like officially connected to NASA at that point. So I'd say the episode, if he was in it, would have been done in conjunction with NASA. But um
1: And punky Brewster was the voice of that generation.
0: Well, yes, obviously. So um Krista McAuliffe herself has been honoured in a bunch of different ways, Um, the most recent being the US Mint designed a dollar coin with her on it last year that will be put into circulation in 2021. So she's about to be on the US dollar coin. Um, And that's pretty much what happened with The U.S. Space Shuttle Challenger disaster.
1: Wow, well done.
0: After that, they pretty much decided there wasn't any manned space missions for, like, I think it was at least four years, Um, and they also Mm -hmm. pretty much decided to completely stop the um, space program as it was so they don't do constant launches anymore. Most space, uh, like, shuttles that go into space now are unmanned, if they can be, Mm -hmm. and so they only Mm -hmm. send people into space when it's absolutely necessary and it's, Mm -hmm. like, not very often anymore. Right, and I imagine they
1: made a big shift in um, how they were funding the program. Do you happen to know if the family got any sort of compensation?
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure they did. I mean, how could they? Wait, let's Google that right now. That's a good question. I am reading a 1988 newspaper article that says, The families of four space shuttle astronauts who died in the Challenger disaster received a total of $7.7 million worth of tax-free annuities from the federal government and from the rocket manufacturer blamed for the accident.
1: Whoever built that O-ring needed to pay.
0: Well, I was listening to – there's a great podcast called You're Wrong About, Mm -hmm. which I always say is – we give you just the gist. You're wrong about gives like we're just enough to get through a dinner party. You're wrong about yeah. is enough to like get a degree <laughs> in the subject. Like they go into a lot of detail, which is great because I like detail. I you know mm. that's not what we're about. Mm. But um, they did an episode on the Challenger disaster, and they talked about how after this happened, the manufacturer uh, who made the O ring and who who ma- who made the rockets um, NASA didn't cancel their contract. They kept being the ones who were making the stuff because they were the cheapest ones. So, you know, Dodgerama, but listen to that episode of You're Wrong About. Um, you know, if we give you just the gist, that's where I got a lot of detail from was the Challenger, uh, episode of You're Wrong About. And, I also watched mm-hmm. a couple of um, just Google um, Challenger documentaries and a few really good ones come up on YouTube. I also went to um, nationalgeographic.com, had a bunch of really cool mm-hmm. articles about it. And, of course, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's really sad. I mean, I think the thing that most people don't know is that is how they died. Awful. Yeah,
1: Okay, well, I'll have a difficult time getting to sleep tonight.
0: Thanks for that. <laughs> um, I just don't know why anyone wants to go to space at all. I can't imagine anything. Mm. Where, like, all it takes is for one tiny thing to go wrong and that whole thing disintegrates. Mm. Like, bloody hell, haven't you seen, like, that movie um, Total Recall where, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is out on Mars and he's, his pressure helmet falls off and his eyes pop out of his head. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> let other people go. If Elon Musk wants to do it, let him.
1: Anyway. <laughs> I'm sure you wish him the very best.
0: I really do. So that was <laughs> the Challenger disaster.
1: Well done. Well played. Good story. Mm. And by the way, we should think about putting um, the links to the different recommendations for... Um, Further reading and further watching
0: in the show notes. In the show notes. Is that or what something? the pro- that's what because professional you- podcast people say? Look in the show notes for links too. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea.
1: Because you're right. Um, on your Foxtel account that I've been leeching <laughs> off, I did watch one of your recommendations. Finally, I'm still playing catch up. I'm in, only up to the Bernie Madoff recommendation. So yes, I saw, I saw you
0: were watching The Wizard of, of Lies. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. 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 Actually, yes, this is a professional operation. We should be doing things like that. Why? Okay. We're going to start doing that. Sorry, guys.
1: Fifi, get ready. Your job just became harder.
0: Also, I keep forgetting to put stuff on the Just The Gist Instagram. I keep forgetting to even check it. And then I go in and check it and I find like 50 messages from you guys. So sorry. It's not that I'm ignoring you. It's that I forget that it's there. So... (laughs) (laughs) One day this will be a proper professional operation. (laughs) For now. I
1: care about you all. I just forget about you (laughs) almost every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Um, Love you. All
1: right. Love you too. Bye.
0: Bye.